This is the CRO Gumbo Podcast by Christian Louvier. What's poppin' CROs? Welcome to the CRO Gumbo Podcast. Today, I am joined by Amy Wilkins, who is the CRO of Smithsonian Media. Amy, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing great as well. Um, so Amy, I just mentioned to everybody that you're the CRO of Smithsonian Media. Um, what mm-hmm. else can you give us about what your job entails and what exactly Smithsonian Media does on behalf of the museum? Sure. Um, what I do is I generate profit from our media properties. Uh, so, And those are magazines, websites, live events. And it's our job to basically generate that profit that goes back to the institution to help support um, them, right? So the institution is federally funded. About 60% of the institution comes from federal funds. um, And that's, you know, to cover their 19 units as well as nine research centers. So there are actually 19 museums as part of the Smithsonian ecosystem. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's a gap between what we um, get from the federal government to, you know, to operate them and what is needed to actually operate. So our division um, and the media group, which is part of Smithsonian Enterprises, helps fill part of that gap. Okay. And so uh, when you say that gap, so the 40% that's left over, the media group has got a portion of that covered. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So the the Smithsonian Enterprise Group, which is Mm -hmm. made up of retail licensing and media, Mm -hmm. uh, those three um, groups help contribute to that, uh, that gap. Okay. Understood. Um, And how uh, ballpark, what percentage is private donations? Oh, gosh. You know, I don't actually know that, um, but that's not my area. Um, There's a significant amount of private donations that go to the institution. We have a lot of development officers across uh, our, you know, the ecosystem of the Mm -hmm. Smithsonian that generate private funds. Um, but that's not, that's not my area of expertise. So I can't answer that one. Got it. Um, and you said, uh, I, I didn't know this. So I went to the, uh, Smithsonian for the first time, probably 15 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't realize that there were 19 different buildings, um, yes. of the, of the yes. 19, do you have a favorite? The national museum of African-American, um, history and culture is my favorite. Got it. Um, and yeah. <laughs> when I was, um, I, uh, I, I was surprised by this. I, about two years ago, I read a, a fiction, a fiction book that's based on, um, you know, it's based on historical events, but it's fiction kind of in the spirit of like a Dan Brown angels and demons. Um, and yeah. I, I didn't realize that the Smithsonian was who, who originally funded it. Um, can you yeah. tell that, tell that story in 30 seconds? Cause when I found out he had never been to America, it tripped me yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, James Smithson um, was, uh, he was a, a, a Brit who was um, the bastard son um, who therefore didn't get anything from, um, from his papa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he was kind of uh, frustrated by that. Um, but he created a name for himself and his own wealth. And he decided to give um, 
in his will to leave the United States what would be approximately a half, what, you know, be about a half a million dollars in today's currency, um, as long as he died without heirs. Well, okay. he did. He died without heirs. And so the, the funds were shipped to the United States, and he left a very vague um, directive. It was to be used for the increase and diffusion of knowledge. And he said, among men, we dropped that now. So forgive me. We, have, you know, we want the women to get the knowledge. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> we it. no longer say that. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was to be used for the increase and diffusion of knowledge among men. And, and, you know, so then of course, you know, Congress fought about that for a really long time. They're like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? So, and then they finally figured it out and they built the castle. So, you know, we have our own castle, which is fun. <laughs> it's fun. Um, what, yeah. uh, did, did they ever, did he ever leave a note or was there any reasoning? I mean, it's, it's so odd to me because he, I was, you know, he'd never been to America. He only heard about it. Nobody was going to name a building after him in, you know, in, 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 in the UK. <laughs> so he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself a whole campus down in DC. <laughs> no, that was his middle finger, I guess. Um, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, yeah. uh, going to your career, um, mm-hmm. you said that, uh, we were talking before we, we hit record. Uh, I yeah. mean, you have been through, the traditional publishing to now the digital publishing gamut. Uh, and yeah. you're, you being chief revenue officer of, uh, the mm-hmm. Smith, of Smithsonian, uh, um, media is a return. And so, mm-hmm. cause you were there in the early two thousands and I, I wanted yeah. to know what you thought your biggest surprise was after 15 years away coming back. Um, you know, I guess, I was not surprised by, you know, the state of like what the business looks like, you know, Mm -hmm. because things changed dramatically over that period of time. So I was probably more surprised by how much I still really love it. (laughs) I loved it then and I love it now. So meaning the brand? Yes, the brand. I mean, Uh, it's just like what it stands for and what it represents. So, um, so I don't think I was surprised by, um, what the business looked like. Um, and the fact that, you know, the model had shifted fairly dramatically, but that wasn't a surprise. Um, you know, we'd always been really strong in consumer revenue, and that continues to be true. And obviously, the advertising and sponsorship side of the equation had, you know, shifted. Um, you know, we sort of flipped a little bit. It used to be even. It used to, we used to generate the same amount of revenue from both of those pools. Mm-hmm. And that's no longer the case. But I was, but that wasn't a surprise. You were in, you know, so the audience knows you were at um, Meredith Corporation and Martha Stewart living Omnimedia. Um, Mm -hmm. And what, what's the big difference coming back to, I I mean, I know you guys have to generate revenue, but it's definitely probably got a different feel than private corporations like Martha Stewart and Meredith. Uh, What's, what's the big difference there in your job? Well, you know, I, I would say that, um, you know, the pressure is pretty intense, right? Because um, the institution is counting on us. So there isn't a lot of room for us to um, actually experiment too much, which is sometimes a challenge, right? You want to be able to uh, experiment a little bit more. And we are, you know, we're finding um, opportunities to do that. But I would say 
some of the biggest challenges is, yes, I get that, you know, as a publicly held company, you know, you're living and dying by what's happening, you know, um, you know, with your, with the, in the stock market and what, and what your stock is looking like. But we literally look at this number every single week and month, like how much are we giving back to the institution um, for the, you know, to feed the, the trust fund. And that's, that, you know, creates its own level of, um, you know, pressure. Got it. Um, so one of the things you and I had discussed briefly uh, prior to hit and record is just the evolving role of the chief revenue officer and what it means. Um, <laughs> so, so far I've had uh, a sales engineer, a SQL developer, uh, a traditional sales guy. I mean, just all, all different backgrounds of somebody who probably would have never been uh, a VP or EVP of sales or somebody in charge of revenue uh, probably mm-hmm. as, as short ago f- as five years. Your right. background is from the publishing side. Um, yeah. You know, we're, yeah. So what, what, what was it like? Did you create the position for chief revenue officer at the Smithsonian? How did that evolution take place? That position was actually here. Um, the, the person just prior to me um, had that role and, you know, but what was different about this role here than I've seen in, in other, you know, sort of more traditional publishing companies is consumer marketing um, and consumer revenue, as well as ad sales and sponsorship revenue um, flow through this position. So that's a, a slightly different um, role than mm-hmm. than what you often see. And there's a real benefit as far as I can, you know, as in, in my opinion, uh, it's a really great thing to have both um, flowing into one position. Because even though the tactics and the approach might be a little different mm-hmm. regarding, you know, how you are approaching the consumer versus how you are um, approaching clients from a B2B perspective, it just makes you stronger across the board. You know, I'm because I'm really connected to who our consumer is, and that helps me help the team position uh, what we have to offer to marketers. Yeah. Do you feel that in some of the places you've been in the past that the reason they're still siloed is just because that's the way it was always done? Or is there a legitimate business reason that it's still in that fashion? Um, I think that it depends on the scale of the business. I think um, a business of our size, it's, it's easy enough to do. I think that there are probably reasons why in much larger organizations it, it's harder. And then, therefore, it probably is really important for those people to um, be intimately connected. And the truth is, I've always been really connected to whoever was running consumer marketing, wherever I've been, um, because they provided a perspective that was really valuable for me in doing my job in generating revenue. So, because every job I've ever had, my job was to generate revenue. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so it was not like a foreign idea that, that, you know, these two things could be part of one role. Um, but so I think it really is probably due to the scale of the business that they're, that they are still in many cases, not connected. Got it. Amy, when I was looking at your, I, I went through all the recommendations on your LinkedIn profile, uh, yeah, and I, I wrote down some of the words that were repeated by multiple people, and some of those words <laughs> were 
um, pleasure, honor, positive, rewarding leader. Uh, and mm-hmm. when I, I don't really know how to put my finger on this, except that when I can tell the difference between a template recommendation versus one that was actually written by the person, um, yeah. what is it yeah. about your leadership style that people ad- seem to clearly admire? You know, I was, I was thinking about, um, that because I remember when I, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's kind of nice. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I really believe in is I believe in the power of the team. Um, I believe in acknowledgement. I believe that most people walk around starving for somebody to notice that they did something. And mm. it's, and, and it's such a, it's so cheap, you know, like, and I don't mean to make that sound like not important. It's like so easy to give that. Oh, so um, cheap. Now, you mean like it's low hanging fruit. Gotcha. To it's easy yeah. to give, you know, it's like, it's not a hard thing to do, you know, to just acknowledge. So I just, I just really love creating environments where, um, where I'm acknowledging, but also where I create an environment that encourages others to acknowledge each other. And so, and I've noticed how that really works. And I, and I learned that a long time ago, um, that, you know, that's the fastest way to create, um, an, a, a culture like that, where you're really inviting people to, you know, stand up in front of others and go, let me just thank the people who made this possible. Like this sale wasn't going to happen without so-and-so. Right. And, um, and, and acknowledge them specifically for what they did. So I, I've always just done that. And, um, and I've also always really connected with everyone. Like I'm pretty clear that, you know, a good idea can come from anywhere and I want to be open to, it could be the newest person. It could be the intern. It could Mm -hmm. be whoever just walked in the door. They might see something in a way I don't see it. And I don't want to miss that, but I have to create an environment that's safe enough for them to share and to actually, yeah, yeah. Like where they can, they know that I'm like, no, 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 really tell me what you think. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really want to hear what you think. Um, and, and so that, uh, I, I, I think that is where that came from. Like where those recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. you said you learned that uh, a while ago. Uh, was there yeah. like a specific moment or boss that you had, or it just kind of evolved inside you yeah. over time? No, I did. I, I had the best job when I came to, um, (laughs) I worked for, um, health magazine, which was owned in part by time Inc. When I first joined there were only five issues out and there was a couple that had launched it with, um, a gentleman named Eric Schreier and, uh, Marjorie and Jim Marte, um, were the couple and they were leading the business side and Eric was leading the content side and he was out in Sausalito, California and they were here in New York. And I just remember they were just like, Amy, you know, whatever you want to know, whatever, you know, like just ask whatever you want, you know, we'll tell you how this whole business works. And it was a launch. So I got to learn so much and be in an environment where you could be curious and question things and come up with ideas. And they never said like, Oh, that's a bad idea. So you you were like in a, you were almost like in a startup within a corporation. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, well, it was like, you know, we were part of what they used they called at the time, it was called Time Publishing Ventures. So we were like these little offshoots. We were like, <laughs> we weren't, we weren't in the, I used to call it the big house. We were not in the big house, <laughs> you know, we were operating very much like a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, we were only owned 50% by them. So there was nothing, they were not, you know, there was no oversight by them. It was really just us. And I just, I just learned that, you know, wow, it's really awesome to be around people who let you just um, go for it. And they're not looking at you like, I know more than you because I'm older or I've been here longer. It was sort of like, no, they were full of wonder of what would this new person think of next. <laughs> you were like <laughs> you an know? exotic and animal. Like, <laughs> well, and, but that's, but so I get to do that. You know, I get to look at everybody around me it, with wonder in like, what is it that they're going to come up with next um, that I'm not going to think of because, you know, because I'm not them. <laughs> And y'all were having these com- yeah. y'all were doing this by coastal over the phone. They were building those relationships. No, 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 because I was based here, and so okay. it was so so the husband and wife team, Jim and Marjorie Marte, were right here in New York City, and that we had we had an office here in in New York. Um, and I remember I used to go into Jim's office. Um, he, he he sat right next to me, right. So he's in this corner office, and at at the end of the day, he used to take a tennis ball and he'd be banging it up against the wall. <laughs> And I'd be like, oh, my, I'm in the next office and I'm shaking trying to do my work, right? So I would go in and I'd peek in his office and he'd be like, he'd be so excited. He'd have this look in the, on his face like, oh, my God, she's coming in here to ask me a question. And he would get so <laughs> excited and I'd be like, hey, Jim. He's like, what, what, Amy, what can I do for you? You know, I'd be like, can you stop bouncing that ball against the wall? And then, of course, I'd feel bad because I'm like, oh, my God, i got to come up with something to, to, to ask him because he is so ready to just be here for whatever it is I need to be successful. It was really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, just really. And, and his wife was the same way. Marjorie was like, to this day, uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. And she's, is she back in California now? Um, no, she's actually here in New York. Okay. So do you get to see yeah. her fairly often? I, I, you know, I have not seen her in a while and she's been on my mind like almost every day for the last like three weeks. So, uh, it's time. <laughs> well, now you, now you can share the yeah. podcast with her and be like, look what I, look what I, I will. Um, she was amazing. Yeah. What was your, when I was looking at your history, what was your first position where you had uh, direct reports underneath you? So the first time I had direct reports was actually at health. Um, oh, actually, wow. that's not true. No, that's not true. That was, it was at the, um, the agency that I was at. I had one person working for me when I was at the advertising agency in Boston. Um, and, um, but I really cut my teeth in management when I went to health and I was, um, a New York manager. Then I was an ad director, associate ad director. And then I was, um, the publisher. And, you know, so I moved up the chain very quickly and, you know, had the entire country reporting into me, um, all of sales and marketing. And, uh, it was, it was great. Yeah. Did you ever have, um, did you ever have a a moment looking back where, you know, in your, any of your first positions where it was kind of like a, you stubbed your toe and, you know, <laughs> you were, you were like, how am I going to rebound from this? And then now you look back oh, yeah. and you laugh. Cause you're like, you know, that yeah. was a learning experience. It wasn't as big of a deal as I made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, my very first job in New York, um, when I left the, um, the advertising agency, I actually, my, the, the 
media director there had said to me one day, hey, Amy, um, I can't believe I'm going to say this to you, but there is a sales job here in Boston, and I'm, I want to recommend you. I really think you'd be great in sales. I'm like, oh, my God, he wants to get rid of me. And it was like, not that at all. He really, really thought, wow, no, she'd be really great in sales. And I'm like, and so he get, you know, I got the bug. I didn't get the job. And then I got another job. And I got a job in New York City um, after going there, using my one-week vacation to do 19 interviews. Some of them were real and Whoa. some of them were informational in one week, in one week. It was ridiculous. That's insane. Um, and then literally two weeks later, I, I had a job and I moved to New York City. And I got right away that they were not standing for my success. There was nobody there that was really going to root for me to be just a, like, crazy, crazy-ass success. (laughs) And so there was someone there, which was really fascinating. There was a woman there in sales, and she said to me, you got to get out of here. And I know a place that's looking for someone. And I'm like, oh, my God, really? Okay, well, I'm going to let you help me. And so I ended up moving to what was called McCall's at the time. It's no mm-hmm. longer around. But it was like this really, um, it was one of the seven sisters. And I went there, and I, um, and I cut my teeth on sales there. And I was only there for 18 months, and it was enough. Um, I was like, okay, I, I understand this. This is, I'm, I'm, I got it down pat. Um, I'm going to, uh, now I need to go somewhere else. And then I ended up at, 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 um, at time Inc. So that was an example where I was like, wow, I I'm in a wrong, I'm in a bad job. Like, and I had a moment where I was like, I, I either suck at this or they're not giving me a chance. And what I chose in that moment was I'm going to choose that they're not giving me a chance and I'm going to go for something else. And that's what I did. You know, I was re- really able to see clearly that in that moment I had a choice. I could accept that Everything that I was feeling around, you know, my experience there was that I was a failure or no, I'm not a failure. And I, you know, I was like the number one salesperson on the McCall's team that I was on. So, you know, I, I so did it really couldn't well have been there. you. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it wasn't. I, I, you know, it was, it was the environment that I was in. And, um, and I learned that I get to create environment, you know, so then, you know, when you move into a sales role where you're then, you know, moving into management, when I got to health, I realized, well, I get to create an environment where people get to be great around me. What's the, um, now that you've, you know, you've run the gamut of being on sales, marketing, publishing, uh, and now mm-hmm. you're, you're hiring those types of people. What, what would you mm-hmm. say is the, the biggest change in the types of, and what you look for to hire uh, in salespeople specifically in the last 10 years? You know, I, I look for a resiliency. You know, you kind of want to know that people can, you know, really stand up to what is happening, right? Because there are moments when you're going to, when you're going to get hit mm-hmm. um, and it's really, you know, seeing how people pick themselves up after they've, you know, maybe had a, you know, where they've lost a piece of business, but, you know, they've found a way to like, you know, power through that and like find something new, something fresh and another way of attacking um, their, their list or, you know, or even their existing clients. Right. And, and generating from that. Um, So, it's really resiliency to me and adaptability. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be able to roll with it, right? Like if you need things to be like black and white, they are not. (laughs) Um, If you need things to stay the same, they will not. Um, You know, you actually have to be able to just like, you know, stretch. 
It's so, so funny you said that about the black and white. I, I literally just had that conversation last night with a woman who's in her late twenties and she mm-hmm. thinks like, it's just cause I remember being in my late twenties when you think like, you feel like everything's yeah. moving so fast, but when you look back, you realize yeah. it really wasn't. And no, uh, I was trying, I was yeah. basically trying to advise her that the world is very gray in what, in what she does for a living. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit uh, on your, okay. uh, your, LinkedIn cover photo mm-hmm. you mentioned uh mm-hmm. I'm sorry not your cover photo in your bio you mentioned yeah. loving sequoias what's that what's that about <laughs> yeah I I do so this is like a great metaphor for teams and I, I read this a really long time ago so I can't even you know give the person credit who actually you know created it but you may you may not know this but like you know sequoias are like you know the most majestic trees on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not agree with that, but um, they're, they're like some of the tallest trees on the planet. But what's interesting is they never grow alone. Like you're never going to see a, a giant sequoia all by itself. Um, really? And that's because, yeah, and that's because the root system is really, really shallow. And so in order for um, the sequoias to survive, they have to grab onto each other. I and so they can that. be majestic and they can be awesome, but they cannot survive without each other. And, and a weak tree, you know, can tear down a whole bunch of others. So mm-hmm. you all have to be strong. And, and what that strength requires is that you grab onto the people next to you. Like you can't, you know, it, it's like the lone cowboy thing, you know, will only take you so far. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the the last thing I wanted to get into, and as far as uh, career wise goes, is mm-hmm. uh, you're you've been very involved with the nonprofit. She runs it. Uh, yeah. Can, can you talk about what that is? And uh, I mean, yeah. most people get involved mm-hmm. with a nonprofit, and they kind of duck in and out. You've been there over a decade. Uh, can you can you talk a little yeah. bit about what what it means to you and, and yeah. what it is? Sure. And and I I've been there. Longer than a decade, and I am not going to tell you how long. <laughs> oh, okay, that's um, what I that's what I saw. But <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm I, I, I'm not even going to tell you how long. But um, yeah, so she runs it. I I love this organization. Um, it's it's an organization that I've been a member of for a really long time, and then I was on the board for for um, for many years, and then I served as the um, the board president. Uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and at this point, my, my role is on the nominating committee. I'm on the uh, co-chair of the nominating committee. But what this organization is, um, it actually started as Advertising Women of New York. It was an organization that was created by women um, over 100 years ago to support women who were in the advertising industry who wow. were getting no support, right? Yeah. And then over time, it evolved, and we, we actually rebranded while I was um, the, the president of the board. We rebranded to She Runs It because it was more representative of what we stood for, which is way beyond just advertising, right? It's marketing. Mm-hmm. It's communications. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, digital. Um, uh, so we, we wanted to make sure that it was representing that and also isn't just in New York, right? We have a lot of people who don't live just in New York. And in fact, we opened, um, you know, Chicago, uh, a couple of years ago and it's like, I've been a runaway success. So what it does is it provides women with support at every stage of their career. So you can mm-hmm. be entry level, middle, 
executive level, and we provide that uh, that network of support, programming, content, um, awards, and recognition for women in that in those industries. And it's 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 amazing. I was just at an event this morning that was all about the best of the badass bosses, <laughs> and it was this incredible group of women who were on the panel. Um, talking to us ahead of time. And then we, you know, had table discussions with, you know, uh, with younger women that are, you know, kind of some of them newer starting out, some of them in middle management, some of them executive level to really talk through a lot of issues that, you know, still are, are present for us. So it's a, it's a great organization. I love it. That's cool. Uh, I, yeah, I imagine you guys are going to grow very rapidly just with the democratization yeah. of technology and, all these yeah. little um, startup incubators popping up in places besides the top 10 major markets. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, yeah. uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, Amy, I'm going to jump into what I call a quick hit Q&A. The answers are meant to be sure. um, quick, but uh, if you want to open, okay. go ahead. <laughs> okay. um, what's <laughs> okay. your favorite museum not named the Smithsonian? The Musée d'Orsay in Paris. What's a blind spot that you had in your 20s that you clearly see now? Uh, being right isn't the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite sports team? The one that I'm playing on. <laughs> I like it. Um, what software do you use the most? Well, you know, we are a Microsoft organization, so I find myself spending a lot of time in Microsoft Office Suite. <laughs> Got it. Um, what's your favorite mobile app? Um, let's see. I would have to say Waze. Mm-hmm. Even in New York? <laughs> well, I drive. Oh, okay. I got it. All right. Well, yeah, yeah. Waze is a lifesaver. It's one of those apps. You're like, how did I exist without it before? I don't think I know. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, picture yourself if you were at a she runs uh, she runs it event and you had to walk out onto stage. What would your intro music be or intro song? Um, slow ride is good feeling. <laughs> All right. Uh, you could, uh, I, I was expecting Everybody gives me a song. I'm yeah. totally not expecting. Um, <laughs> The other guy, the other day, somebody gave me Salisbury Hill as a it fires him up. I was like, that doesn't. Oh like, man. That's yeah, funny. I mean, it's really slow, but he's like, man, I just get yeah. lost in a trance. Um, oh, if you great. could write one thing on a billboard in Times Square, what would it be? It would be live today like there's no tomorrow. Um, is there a noise that you love? Um, I there's two noises I love. I'm going to have to give you two. So I love the sound of my daughter's voice. She just left for college for her sophomore year. So when I hear it, I get very happy. And I love um, the sound of my husband laughing in his sleep. It's just that really so cool. To, yeah, he laughs in his sleep. I, it's so cool. <laughs> wow. I've never heard of that one. I know. It's great. Is your daughter, uh, is she staying close by or she went away? She went away. She's at Penn oh. State, so she's in Happy Valley, um, four hours away. Got yeah. it. Uh, so when you yeah. hear it, it's like uh, you missed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I had two more questions. What's a profession that you would not like to have? I would not like to be a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, if you would have the right intro music, though. Um, if, yes. If heaven exists, uh, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, pretty sure 
he would say, oh, welcome. Your dad can't wait to see you. That's awesome. Um, Amy Wilkins, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can link in with me. That's the best way. Okay. And I'll have that link yeah. inside of the notes so people can click on it. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining joining me today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to CRO Gumbo. If you are having trouble with your revenue generating processes and would like to discuss one of our workshops, text CRO to 555 That's CRO 555-888. Now go innovate.
Get a good feeling, yeah